Welcome to Word Today. I am your host, Levi Johnny Griffin. And if you are new here, I want you to know that everyone has a bias. So I need you to identify yours. Check it at the door, because on Word Today, the only opinion that matters is God's. So we're going to talk about joy today, how to have a joy, 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 joy down in your soul. If you remember that old song, how to have joy. Now, joy isn't happiness. And we're going to talk about the difference between happiness and joy, what happiness is and what joy is. So stick with us as we uh, learn how to have a happy, joyous life here on Word Today. Okay, so we're going to talk about joy and being joyful. Uh, the title is Super Joy, Living a Happy, Joyful, Peaceful Life. We're going to hit on five points. One, what is joy? Like, what what is the definition of joy? What is joy when I have it? What is joy? Next, how is joy different from happiness? Seems like they're the same thing. Actually, you'll hear a little bit of happiness in the definition of joy. Uh, and I'm going to give my opinion on that. Um, next is what gives joy. Once we know what joy is, how it's different than other emotions, we'll find out what uh, what gives us joy, what what fulfills us, what what gives us that joyful life. Next, what steals our joy? What takes joy away from us? What keeps us from having uh, or maintaining a life filled with joy? And which brings us to the last thing, how to maintain the joy. So four is what steals joy and last is how to maintain the joy. So let's jump in. What is joy? Textbook, Merriam-Webster definition. Uh, A, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of po uh, possessing what one desires. Delight. I like that. Joy is delight. It is delightful. Uh, and I like the word light inside of it. It just like it fills you with light. You are uh, exuding light from the inside out. It is delightful. Joy is delightful. B, the expression or ex exhibition of, six, of such emotion, gaiety. Okay, happy uh, or, or not necessarily happy, but uh, you can't define a word with the word joyous, but delightful. Uh, okay, we, we'll go with that, gaiety. B, or excuse me, second, second definition of joy. A state of happiness or felicity, bliss. Love bliss, love felicity. Happiness, not so much. And I'll tell you why I think happiness actually doesn't really fit here. I understand why they put it here, why they put it here. People understand what happiness is, um, but I also understand why it's the second definition, not the primary definition. The third is a source or cause of delight. OK, so one was, hey, it is delight. It is delight. Uh, and this was saying oh, it can cause delight. OK, so the best definition, I think, is their primary one. The emotion evoked by well-being, success or good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. I like that you possess what you desire and you're delighted about it. Uh, the expression or exhibition of such emotion, gaiety, bliss, felicity. Uh, the reason I don't like I don't believe happiness uh, is a good definition for joy um, is because happiness is something different. Joy is something you have. Uh, it's evoked by well-being, by your current state, where happiness tends to be uh, something different, something that happens, happening to make you happy. For example, definition one, 
Definition one, favored by luck or fortune, fortunate, uh, a happy coincidence. So something happened and it made you happy. Number two, notably fitting, effective or well adapted, uh, felicitous, uh, a happy choice. Okay, I've made a choice and that choice made me happy. Uh, Three, enjoying or characterized by well-being and uh, contentment is the happiest person I know a happy childhood. Okay, you you had a good childhood that made you happy. Um, but what happens if your childhood wasn't so happy? Can you still be happy? Um, so it's based on a couple. It's based on things happening, and it and it goes on expressing, reflecting, or suggestive of happiness. A happy ending. Something happened, and you got you made you happy. Glad, pleased. I'm happy to meet you. You met someone, and it made you happy. Uh, D having or marked by an atmosphere of good fellowship. There's good people around you that made you happy. Um, so a couple of different things. Now it goes on into uh, a couple of, of other things here. Um, and I don't know if those, those things, uh, really fit here. It's kind of like punch happy boxer trigger happy and some other uses of the word happy, but I don't know if they really, um, if they actually fit in context with what we're, we're saying, but the other definitions I think do. So the opposite, the opposite of happiness is what sadness. So I wanted this to happen and it didn't. So now I'm sad. So, uh, and I, and I always tell people you, your misery is based on your expectation. You are miserable. You are, you're sad. You are disappointed because you expected a B or C and they didn't happen. And now you are sad. Now, I'm not telling you to not have expectations. The Bible really tells us that our faith is based on our expectation. When we believe that God can do amazing above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or think, and we litter the atmosphere with an atmosphere of expectation, God produces miracles. It's what he does. He produces miracles. But what happens when we have expectations in people? Or circumstances and they fail. They make us sad. Why? Because those expectations toward God, he never fails. But when we put expectations toward people, they fail. We become bitter. We become sad. Don't expect things of people. Love people. Love people for where they are. But just don't expect things of people. I think you kind of set yourself up for failure when you begin to expect things of people. Because people aren't perfect. And when they show that they're not perfect when they just can't live up to your expectations, realistic or unrealistic, you become bitter, you become sad, you become depressed. And it's not really because of them. It's because of your unlittered expectations. What gives us joy? Let's go to Isaiah 35. So if you have your Bibles with you, just go ahead and open up to Isaiah 35. And there's five things that we're going to find out that give us joy. Um, the first is redemption. The second is connection. The third is evangelism. The fourth is fruit. Uh, and the fifth is testing. And you're going to say testing. Who wants to be tested? Uh, you know, how can testing give us joy? But we're going to find out uh, in James one that testing gives us joy. But first, redemption, Old Testament, Isaiah 35, uh, New Living Translation. Let's start at verse eight. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. Evil minded people will never travel on it. 
it will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Verse 9, lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beast. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Now, uh, really to do this scripture justice, and I always talk about context, context, context. Everything needs to be in context. Never take anything out of context. Uh, so really, you have to go back and not just, and read all of 35. Go back and read 34 and read the chapters building up to this. But at this point, they have been redeemed. They have been redeemed. What is redemption? That is someone paying your debt. You have been redeemed from sin, as we say. Uh, you have been redeemed. Uh, your your token has been redeemed. Think about a coupon. You get a coupon, and when you go give that coupon to uh, the massage place or to the restaurant or to the grocer, they say, hey, you have redeemed this coupon. So they issued the coupon. You got the coupon, and then you came back and redeemed the coupon. God gave you life. God gave you breath. God gave you perfection, but you sinned. So God came back and he redeemed you out of that sin back into a place of perfection, back into a place of worth. Um, and that redemption uh, brings us joy. So what gives us joy? Number one is redemption. Knowing that we are redeemed gives us joy. If you've ever just took taken a moment to think about what God has done for you, it can't it can't help. I'm feeling joy rise up inside of me right now as I just say this and I think about where I was and what God pulled me out of, what God saved me from. I just become filled with joy knowing that I have been redeemed. I don't know about you and what you've been through, but if you've been through anything that God has redeemed you and saved you from, that he paid the cost for your sin, grabbed you and pulled you out of it and says, hey, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to pay for that sin. I have redeemed you like that coupon. You don't have to pay the full price for sin. It has been discounted. The full price was paid. What you're paying is just the life you're living. Just a little evangelism and we'll get we'll get into that. But you've been redeemed. The price has been paid. That brings joy. True joy. That, that can never be taken away. And then and you say, okay, well, what's the difference between that and happiness? Because something, an action happened. Yeah, the action happened thousands of years ago on the cross, and it cannot be undone. Happiness is based on a happening. This happened and can never unhappen. So you can base your joy on this, that as long as you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will be redeemed. And that's joyous. The second thing that gives joy is connection. Turn to John 15, and, we're, and this is all coming out of the New Living Translation. But turn to John 15. It says this, Jesus, the true vine. I am the grape vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned. 
and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and to remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And this is Jesus. So this is red letter. If you have a uh, a red letter Bible or can read things in red, your Bible notates it. This is Jesus talking. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He says, listen, you need to be connected to me. And if you are connected to me, you will have joy. He says, listen, I'll tell you these things so that you have joy. This is for your benefit. I'm telling you this so that you have joy. I am the grapevine. My father is the gardener. Hey, stay in me and produce good fruit. You will produce good fruit if you stay in me. And I tell you this so you listen. He says, listen, I tell you this so that you will have joy. You will have joy. You will have joy. This is why I tell you this. So you will have joy. Being connected to the grave. I said, listen, stay in me. Stay connected to me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Obey me. Stay in my love. Stay in my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You'll do what I ask, just like I do what my father, God, asks. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to my purpose and my will, and you will have joy. So what gives us joy, that inner peace, that true happiness? Connection to Jesus. What does that connection look like? Listening to him. Obeying him. He says just as he stays connected to God. He wants us to stay connected to him. Number three. What the third thing that gives joy is this evangelism. Evangelism gives joy because think about it. If we've been redeemed, we're connected to God. Why wouldn't we want to tell somebody about him? John three starting at verse twenty two. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there. The people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown in the prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other day of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you 
I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. John is saying here that so his disciples, John's disciples, not Jesus's disciples, John's disciples would say, hey, that guy you call the Messiah, Jesus, your cousin, he is baptizing people. You're John the Baptist. You're the baptizer. He's baptizing people. What's going on? Should we stop him or what? You know, kind of like, hey, this is a problem. And John is saying, no, man, I told you plainly, I am not the Messiah. He is the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And as long as uh, I'm around, I'm just the bride. Uh, I'm just the best man. He is the bridegroom. He is the groom. And, and I'm just happy to be a part of the show. I'm just happy to sit here and tell you about who he is. We are here to help promote the, his mission, not our mission. We are we are his mouthpieces and we must become less and less so he can become greater and greater. We need to tell everybody about how awesome he is. And it doesn't need to be about the John the Baptist show or the John the Baptist disciple show. But it needs to be the Jesus show and only the Jesus show. So what's the third thing? Evangelism. And I guess in that you could even put evangelism and humility will bring joy. Evangelism and humility will bring joy. You you want to evangelize and, and I'll start with humility. You want to be humble because it's never about you. The the you know, the glory you get is only for you to be able to turn it back to God. You know, you're getting promoted on your job. You're being blessed. And it's only so you can turn it right back to God. So evangelism, evangelism brings joy. Why? Because just think about it. You've been redeemed. You've been connected. Why not talk to someone? Just like I said, if you've been redeemed. You've been connected. Why not tell somebody about it? Um, and that is your purpose. That is your purpose. Your purpose is God created you for your purpose and is to tell people about him. Tell people about his son. Tell people about his goodness. Tell people about how he loves you and how he redeems them and how he loves them and how he wants to be with them. That is evangelism. And that is ultimately our purpose. It is. It is our purpose. So when we're not walking in our purpose, we won't ever feel joy. It's like being a guitar, but never being strum. It's like being a song that's never saying it's like being a bird that never flies. If you're a born again Christian that never tells someone about Jesus, you're never singing, flying or being strummed. You're never fulfilling your purpose. And that's sad. How could you ever have joy? And you can and you've never flown. You've never fulfilled your purpose. Evangelism, the third thing that you need for joy. Fourth is fruit. First Thessalonians two. Dear brothers and sisters, starting at verse 17, dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. What is the pride and joy? His disciples, the people that they've 
they've talked, they've taught about Jesus, that have fallen in love with Jesus. That just goes back to evangelism, right? You've been redeemed. You've connected yourself to Jesus. You connected to his word, to his purpose, right? Romans 8 and 28 says everything works together for the good of those that are called, that love God, that are called according to his purpose, right? So you love God. How do you know you love God? Because you're obeying him. You're called according to his purpose. How do you know that? Because you're evangelizing. Number four, the fruit of that evangelism brings joy. When you tell somebody about Jesus and they lift their hands and say, I'm willing to accept him, there's no greater feeling in the world. I can tell you this personally. There's no greater feeling in the world than to see someone on fire for the Lord that loves Jesus. There just isn't. There's no greater feeling in the world. And that fruit brings joy. What are they saying here in the book of Thessalonians 19? After all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you, you. You church in Thessalonica, right? You. You are our pride and joy. So there's nothing like just loving God. There's nothing like falling in love with him. There's nothing like fulfilling his purpose and then being able to reap the fruit, enjoy the fruit, and have new best friends in the gospel. Even the Bible tells us that they'll identify us by our fruit, right? Matthew seven sixteen. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He's saying, listen, you'll know them by their fruit, their actions. You'll know them by those that are around them. The people that that have, have come to love Jesus because of them. You know them. You know them by their fruit. Fifth thing that brings joy. Testing. And you're going to say. Testing brings joy. This makes no sense at all that testing would bring joy. But James one second verse, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider trouble an opportunity for great joy. Verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. My endurance was tested this weekend. I I was part of the corporate cup. For those out there that are friended my friended me on Facebook, you you probably saw the pictures. Uh, so I'm out running like 5K and doing like four by 100 and doing you know basketball and even did some golf chipping. I, hey, we did. I think I did pretty good. People said I did good. So, but uh, you know and I was in te- I was sore. I was tired even before the four by 100, but did it, you know, but gave it all I got. And I think did a pretty good job. And my endurance was tested. A lot of us can be fast out to shoot. But can you can you maintain a pace? Can you maintain that pace? Can you? Your endurance will be tested. It says consider it joy. Consider it joy. Why would you want to consider being tested? Joy, because it proves your faith. It proves your character. It proves your integrity. You know, who would want something that has not been proven? Matter of fact, that's how you sell any piece of hardware. It says this has been tried. This has been tested. 
This has been proven out in the field. We're not just saying this is the best hammer ever made. We've taken it out to construction site and given it to construction workers and had them bang it over a thousand times. This has been tested and we can say with confidence that this is great. The Lord can say with confidence that, hey, my son, my daughter, they are great. That's why when God looked at the the Job, he could say with confidence, my servant who has been tried and tested has character and integrity. The Bible tells us, listen, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. What does that mean? That means that he can trust what you will do when you've been tested. You know what you'll do. You can take pride in what you'll do when you've been tested. Not to be arrogant, not to be proudful, but you can you can have a little more trust in your faith after you've been tested. Matthew 5 says this, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you, verse 11, and per- persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You can be be joyful when you're tested because your character and integrity holds. You know where your faith is when you've been tested. And you can have joy knowing that there is, you can be even happy, not just joyful because had, this hadn't happened yet, but you can be happy, but knowing that you have a place in heaven because you were tested just like uh, the prophets, the ancient prophets were tested. So being tested brings joy. It proves your character and your integrity. Now, what steals joy? What kind of things steal joy? I'm going to talk about five things that steal joy. And it's the same five things that gives us joy. First, what what's the, what gives us joy? Redemption. So what steals joy? Lack of redemption. Now think about what redemption does. Redemption offers us soul security. We know that our, we have a place at the seat of God's table in heaven because we've been redeemed. We can we can have hope. We can have joy. We can have happiness uh, about the future because of our redemption and what God has done in the past for our present and what he will do in the future. Jesus says himself, listen, there are, there are many mansions in, in, you know, in heaven. If there weren't many mansions, if there weren't many houses, I would tell you, but I'm telling you, there's greater things coming in heaven. You can, you can have faith in that. You can trust in that. And forgiveness for yesterday. Redemption forgives us for what we did yesterday. So we can have joy knowing that we're redeemed, knowing that our soul is safe forever, knowing that we can have help in tomorrow and right now because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then we have forgiven for our yesterdays. What happens if we're not redeemed? That steals our joy. You know, how can we be? De- we see suicides. We see suicide bombers. We see depression. People, you know, trying to give you a med- medication for, hey, take this pill and you won't be depressed anymore. You might want to commit suicide. You might want to uh, jump out of a building. You may feel like your face is peeling off. But, hey, you won't be depressed. What is that? Because they're, they're not telling you that, hey, there's a savior that died on a cross that redeems you. You don't need to be depressed. Know that Jesus died for you and feel joy. All of the mistakes that you've made, all of the addictions that you had, God has redeemed you from them all. And without this knowledge, it'll steal your joy. Connection gives us joy. You know, the Bible says, man, can I live on bread alone? Being connected to God, being connected to the true vine gives us joy. So what steals our joy? Lack of connection. When you're not connected to people that love Jesus with all their heart, you're not connected to uh, that are on fire, that are acting like they love Jesus. When you're not connected to the church 
a church. Well, some people say, why do I have to go to church? The Bible tells us not to forsake the fellowship. We are stronger together. We need to be united. If you don't like the church you're at, find another church that is on fire for Jesus. But find a church and get connected. It is important. Find a church and get connected. Without the connection, we lose our joy. Number three, lack of purpose. Lack of purpose. Remember, evangelism is our purpose. That's why we were Created, God redeemed us, God connected us so we can go and redeem or show people how to be redeemed and connect them to him. And what does purpose do? Purpose gives us focus, right? Focus of will. It gives us life. When you have a purpose, you feel energetic. You feel like you have self-worth. You feel like your life has a meaning, the meaning of life. What happens when you don't have a purpose? You don't have joy. You feel you can get depressed. You can feel like you're wandering around in circles. Why am I here? Why? Because you you don't have a uh, you don't have a purpose. Number four, fruit gives us joy. So because we can we can bask in our fruit, we can talk to our fruit. We can talk to the people that are that are on fire for God because of us. And we can be strengthened in their in their faith. But what happens when we don't we have lack of purpose? Then we also have lack of fruit. Right. We also have a lack of fruit. And with a lack of fruit, we have lack of joy. And the fifth thing is, you know, if we're being tried, validates our faith, validates our character, validates our purpose. Then when we're not tried and tested in our faith, we lose our joy because testing validates. So being untested. You're unvalidated. You know, if you have a faith that you've never tested, you've never tried to walk out on faith, then then you can't believe in it. You can't have faith in your faith. If You never tried to win a soul for Jesus. You, you can't have faith in. And in, in your ability to evangelize and God's ability to move on someone's heart. You have a bunch of stuff that is untested that you can't have trust in. And that steals your joy because when problems hit or someone in your family you want to talk to, you don't have faith in your faith. And it robs your joy. So how do we maintain our joy? Well, that's that's the same five steps. Redemption gives us joy. So how do we maintain it? We stay with our faith, redemption through faith. It's keep our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. Keep it strong and we will maintain our redemption or maintain our joy. Connection, being connected through prayer, through praise and worship to God, the father, Jesus, the son, being connected to people uh, at our church and in small groups that maintains our joy. Purpose through self-sacrifice of time and talent. And when we evangelize to people through our songs, if we can sing or guitar, if we play instruments or preaching or cleaning a bathroom or shaking a hand at a door or inviting someone over for tea uh, or being a friend to someone. When we evangelize, uh, we, we ignite our purpose through self-sacrifice of time and talent. And that maintains our joy. Our, we maintain our fruit through evangelism. Once again, we produce fruit and maintain it through evangelism. Once someone's connected, we need to keep praying with them, praying for them and staying connected to them to keep them strong and to keep us strong. And five, character and integrity through being tested. You know, my pastor says, hey, favor will get you there, but character and integrity will keep you there. Um, and that's where we're going to end tonight. So you you know what gives joy, what steals joy and how to maintain joy. So go out and be joyful. Listen. I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny. 
Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcast Platforms, Google Podcast Platforms, and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.